0: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Mike is being seen in urgent care today. He's complaining of low back pain and stiffness. Mike works as an accountant and doesn't really do any manual labor. He thinks he may have pulled his back raking his lawn last weekend. He found an old oxycodone tablet that he had left over from a fracture two years ago and is asking today for a refill to treat his back pain. On exam, he has paraspinal muscle tenderness and some spasm, but reflexes, sensation, and strength are all intact. You diagnose him with nonspecific, low back pain, and would like to avoid prescribing a narcotic to treat. You wonder what else might be able to help Mike feel better. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me this morning is Robert Baldor, professor and founding chair from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Chan Medical School, Bay State, located in Springfield, Massachusetts. Bob, we both have glitchy backs. Thank you for bringing Mike discussion today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, uh, Frank. Happy, uh, happy, happy to be here, and uh, really uh, nice to be thinking about some non-narcotic methods to address really this incredibly uh, common uh, pain syndrome. So, what I'd like to discuss is a systematic review that looked at a variety of treatments for acute and subacute again mechanical non specific low back pain which is the most prevalent type of low back pain so probably people coming in with low back pain 85% of them it's really you, there's no uh, specific uh, anatomical problem there's no fracture uh, there, there's no radicular pain and uh, radiculopathy and so on so it's non specific low back pain now the good news is most of these will improve on their own or regardless of what we do with it within 6 weeks but you know up to two-thirds of people will experience pain ongoing, even at three months. Many of these will continue for a year. uh, And the complaints of pain are sort of moderate, like a six out of 10 on the scale, but it'll be a waxing and uh, waning course. So interestingly, as we think about this, there's a variety of interventions that are out there, but there's really been very little comparative effectiveness research done looking at these. So what this review did They explored the relative efficacy of common treatments, and they looked at harms versus benefits. They did a systematic review and a network and meta-analysis from the uh, the literature. The review included randomized clinical trials involving adults with non-specific low back pain who had pain for six weeks, which is the acute, or uh, six to twelve weeks subacute, and there was follow-up up up to twelve months in a lot of these uh, these studies that were. That were done after they looked at, believe it or not, because this is, uh, it doesn't surprise me, right? Looked at over 6,000 articles and, and then ended up coming up with only 46 randomized controlled trials that really were of significant uh, benefit to be uh, analyzed, uh, uh, significant research rigor, I should say. So almost 9,000 participants uh, were involved in it. The uh, median uh, number of individuals in these trials was about 40 with a mean age of about 40 with almost equal number of men and uh, women. The studies had to include pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic treatment along with inert treatments as a uh, control. The uh, non-pharmacologic treatments included OMT, acupuncture, Dry needling, um, and they encompassed some sham and placebo treatments as well as for, for uh, or no treatment uh, for comparators. And the primary outcomes were pain intensity and disability, so uh, uh, function. The secondary outcomes, of course, they looked at were adverse events as well. And they looked at follow up roughly the intermediate term being at one week, short term uh, at a month. And then medium term being uh, six to uh, three to six months, none long term, twelve months basically. So really an interesting uh,
0: review. I, I love the fact that this is so comprehensive. So what's the bottom line? What they find out? What was efficacious? Well, so again, I want to separate two
1: things here. So they looked at pain relief, but they also looked at reduction in disability, right the, the ability to, to, to function. So I thought that was really interesting because it's just because you have pain doesn't mean you can't function. So I thought that was a, in, in, in my mind a little bit thinking about that was kind of interesting uh, perspective. So I looked at both this pain relief and disability reduction immediately at one week, three months and then at one one year after the initial encounter. So for pain relief at one week so more immediate pain relief was seen with exercise heat wraps, manual therapy, opioids, of course, and NSAIDs. The most effective treatment though was manual therapy and exercise. They looked at that disability reduction, right? The ability to return, uh, improve your function also showed very similar um, benefits, but they also showed a benefit from educating the patient as to what was going on, the patient education, understanding the concepts of what was happening, and muscle relaxants. So muscle relaxants didn't decrease pain, but they increased function. NSAIDs were still, at this point, the most efficacious uh, medication to reduce disability. So that's in the short term, one week. So what happened then, looking one to three weeks later? Well, manual therapy was superior in reducing pain, manual therapy for reducing pain. And for disability reduction, there was interestingly enough, a statistical benefit from low dose steroids when they were compared to uh, NSAIDs. And there was a benefit again from manual, uh, manual, manual therapy. Let's look forward for people with sort of a chronic condition, one year, pain relief at one year, no statistical significant interventions were helpful versus inert treatments. But the most efficacious treatment, so again, they didn't see the statistical differences here, what you were using, but they found that the most efficacious treatment was cognitive behavioral therapy. And they also looked at function, right? The reduction in disability, most efficacious treatment, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so just to give you the the statistics on that, so that long-term relief was reported And 74%, so uh, three-quarters of patients reporting uh, pain relief with with cognitive behavioral therapy, and uh, 68.5% reporting uh, reduction in disability with cognitive behavioral therapy.
0: Yep. I'm I'm actually thrilled with this finding. I I think we we emphasize writing uh or not even writing anymore but providing medication to treat things where there are other things, simple things, things like exercise or moving around that have a huge impact on short and long-term outcomes. Uh non-pharmacological therapies seem to be the answer. What about adverse events?
1: Yes. Well, um, uh, over half of the studies actually reported adverse events. And uh, as you can imagine, there were some uh, mild to moderate events associated with, with heat wrap, muscle relaxants, NSAIDs, opioids, acetaminophen, and ster- steroids, actually along with inner treatments. and But the most, the mild to moderate events that were most commonly reported, number one was with opioids, 65% of the time. NSAIDs, 54% of the time, and steroid arm, 46% of the time. So uh, opioids not being shown to be efficacious with the highest uh, likelihood of adverse events as well, which is really uh, you know uh, interesting to see. I,
0: I, I, hope, I hope all specialties pay attention to this because um, I think it's long gone out of favor to use uh, opiates for acute pain. Uh, associated with non-specific low back pain, but I know certain sectors, uh, especially urgent care settings, feel some pressure to make the patient happy. And this, this data should hopefully broaden their perspective. Want to just give us a quick summary then? What's the bottom line here? Yeah, the bottom line here really is for acute pain, if you need to prescribe something, you want to prescribe
1: something, it's an NSAID with a muscle relaxant that's going to uh, be f- help with pain reduction and return uh, to function. But this, this analysis really highlights, it's really a potentially minor role uh, for these medications. And the most efficacious interventions included heat wraps, manual therapy, and prescribing exercises like the McKenzie. Exercises, and so that's really important. By the way, the um, interesting uh, acetaminophen appears to offer uh, limited to no benefit in this uh, in 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 this review when we're talking about uh, treatment for acute low back pain. Of course, I often prescribe that with the NSAIDs because it has a potentiating uh, effect, but on, by itself, it doesn't seem to be uh, very uh, very helpful. Bottom line. Acute, subacute low back pain should be managed with non-pharmacological interventions as pain and disability reduction best achieved by heat wraps, manual therapy, and exercise for pharmacologic interventions. Best net benefit for pain and disability reduction appears to be with NSAIDs and muscle relaxants. And it may be a role in there for some low-dose steroids as well for longer-term use.
0: Bob, that's great. Thank you so, so much. This is terrific.
1: Practice Pointer. Acute and subacute low back pain can be managed with non-pharmacological interventions. Pain and disability reductions are best achieved by heat wraps, manual therapy, and exercise. When pharmacological interventions are prescribed, the best options for pain and disability reduction appears to be NSAIDs and muscle relaxants.
0: Join us next time when we talk about the impact of beta blockers post-MI and how our practices are all about to change. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out PrimeMed.com for additional CME content.